When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Analyzing Everton, uh, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Royal Blue channel. Uh, uh, my name's David and, of course, as always, I'm joined by Josh. Josh, for the people listening and watching, how are you? As always, mate, I'm good. I wouldn't mind doing something a little bit different to that next week because it's getting a bit tedious. Just asking how you are. I need to come in, claim my eyes. I need to come in on my knees. Maybe if Liverpool lose a game, it might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't, uh, it won't be holding me breath. Anyway, um, yeah. So on today's show, anyway, we'll crack on. Uh, we'll look back on Brighton, which was a a good win. Um, maybe not an emphatic win on the scoreline, but certainly I thought it was a. A good win for the Blues. Um, we'll have a little look at January transfer business. There's a few links out there. I'm not sure how legitimate they are, but we'll we'll assess a few of them, and we'll me and Josh will just have a chat as well and see, you know, what areas do Everton actually need to strengthen in, um, if at all. But I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> um, and then we'll look ahead to West Ham, which will be an intriguing fixture. Um, we've got. David Moyes at the helm there. <laughs> they were saying up the sweet print. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ginger print, yeah. No, we, uh, he could have been Everton manager at one point, couldn't we? We talked about it on this show. Yeah, I expected it myself. Like yeah, yeah, so um, it'll be good to have a little chat about that at the end. Um, but we will start with Brighton. As I said, it was a, it was a slender scoreline on paper. Uh, and Brighton played fairly well. Um you know what, they, they kind of played how we expected. I was just going to say, what you probably expect, we said mm. that, you know, they're on, uh, on the path, really, in a bit of a process, working towards an end goal sort of thing, but they're very much at the start of that path. Mm. Um, and as a consequence, they're maybe a little bit more toothless than they'd like at the, at the minute. Mm. A little bit more vanilla than they'd like. Yeah. But, you know, with fees were eventually being better than that. Yeah, they've uh, they got long-term goals, haven't they? And for now, it's just all about kind of laying those uh, laying those foundations. Um, as I said, you could you could see that in part, but I thought, despite the scoreline of only 1-0, Everton were good value for the win. Um, the outshot Brighton, 15-8. to eight. Uh, It was 6-1 to one in terms of shots on target. Um, XG, according to Y Scout, was just over two for Everton, uh, just over one for Brighton, and I'm pretty sure a lot of those chances, yeah, come come pretty much late on. Um, Everton actually had better the ball as well, slightly in terms of possession, but um, yeah, on the whole, I thought based on those numbers, Josh, Everton were arguably the the better side. Yeah, I mean the. There's certain, obviously, certain stats that aren't, that don't really matter, t- to be honest. But a few, a few stats that you can pick up on if you focus on the right ones will suggest that you know you've been maybe the more dominant team, the more proactive team, and mm. if you've done that in a way that's productive, then you know usually more often than not you should pick up a 
a positive result, providing you know the referee doesn't impact things or players don't make mistakes and players take the chances and the opposing team's players don't take theirs really at a at a ridiculous rate. But the numbers that Everton Everton posted, you know, dominating the ball, specifically the shots on target is a big one. Mm, um, yeah. You know, only facing one shot on target. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose many games at all if if, that, if that's the case week to week. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Calvert Lewin missed a big chance, um, which probably would have given it a more commanding two 0 victory. But just looking at the, uh, the the expected goals timeline here, mm. did did one of the teams have a really clear cut chance inside two minutes? <sighs> There'll be sh- people shouting now, but I can't remember that chance. Let's have a look. I think the um, the colour scheme on, on the the expected goals timeline that I'm looking at here is a bit mixed up, so I'm not sure which team it was, but I can't remember the chance mm. that was particularly clear cut. I mean, move on if, if, if not. Like, Yeah, we'll come back to it. Eh? It looks, it's, it's a fairly big jump yeah. early in the match. Yeah. Um, I'll get it while you feel it. Yeah, if you don't mind, yeah. But it, it was one of those games where, as I said, I thought Everton did did fairly well, and most people would have went home happy. Um, but despite the relative dominance, um, it took a moment of brilliance really from Richarlison to win the game. Now I, I've kind of been waxing lyrical about Richarlison for a while. Um, I think he he has the potential to be an elite forward over the next five years. Um, would you agree, Josh? I would, yeah. I think he's um, the exact type of player that Everton and Ancelotti can can maybe build a, build around moving forward, considering his age and what he offers on the pitch. And I think he's predominantly a a positive influence rather than being a negative. Mm, yeah. And th- th- those are the type of players that Ancelotti really has to improve, imp- you know, increase the value that of the player's worth and get players around him that can help him bring out his own skills on the pitch. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll run through some numbers. Just I did write a piece on Richarlison this week, but in case you didn't see it on the Echo website, um, a little little bit of research about players in the same age group across Europe's top five leagues. Um, We'll stop that minute because we've just got that chance up, and we we're just scratching our heads of trying to remember which one it was. So it was Walcott. Theo Walcott just approaching the fourth minute. It was basically a one-on-one with Matt Ryan. To be fair, yeah. Entirely different game if that goes in. I mean, you could have could have perhaps run, ran away with it there, but yeah, it's probably worth flagging that, isn't it? Because then you probably have the more dominant scoreline. I mean, the reason I keep referencing the scoreline is because we've said before sometimes the scoreline dictates a narrative, doesn't it? And in reality, this is why it's important to kind of look at these underlying metrics just to get a gauge of actually how the game did play out. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with that with the whole one 0 scoreline, I think we we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, when we were talking about Marco Silva there. You know the situation wasn't ideal, but he ultimately didn't really have players that would do him a favour mm. in terms of expected goals. So a certain player who'd maybe overperform on the attacking side, or a defensive player who'd overperform on the defensive side, mm. and that's I suppose that's a perfect example of it. You know, Walcott's cleaned through, it gets saved, and as a result, despite Everton being the better side, only a one-nil win secured and. I always used it, the West Ham example earlier in the season. Dominated West Ham at Goodison Park, but it was 1-0 up until like the 90th minute. Yeah, And the fans, the fans were getting agitated and things like that. Yeah. Um, does that come down to maybe... Uh, I'm not being harsh because I'm, I'm about to wax lyrical about one of the players, but 
average players who maybe just don't take those chances when they do come. You know, don't, yeah, don't perform on an above average level, meaning that games stay in the balance for a lot longer than perhaps they should. Yeah, basically, players that have. You need, you need players ultimately that have got output to them. I think I think Everton have got quite a few players that are, for lack of a better word, nice. Mm. I think of Bernard, to be honest. I know he was productive in this game. I know he's generally a tidy player. Mm. Very clean, technically. You know, those those obvious things. Yeah. But he's not that way inclined, is he, to really decide a game or to score a goal or... Yeah, no, I, I get mean, it. He, sets, he does set up the odd chance, I'll give him that. But I don't know, just a few players that are... I like, bit, yeah. That are a bit rougher. But like Richarlison, mm, yeah, you just mentioned Richarlison there. He's a player who's a bit, bit more rough on the eye, maybe, but he decides games more often. Yeah, match winners. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he can be a little bit sloppy, Richarlison, but he he comes up with great moments. He's quite raw. I think raw is the term. Yeah, he's a dangerous player. Yeah, yeah. and we'll we'll segue back on to Richarlison. Um, so I had a little look, and across the previous twelve months, there's been forty-two forwards from a, Europe's top five divisions age 23 and under who've played 1500 minutes from that total only five strikers can boast uh, more non-penalty league goals than Richardson's total of 12 so obviously some might get their tally boosted through penalties but Richardson isn't a penalty taker so only five players and those players you're looking like the cream of the crop so you're looking at your Mbappe Timo Werner you know the, the real top end stuff Um I don't think you put Richardson in that bracket yet, but you know if you break it down into non-penalty goals per ninety, because Richardson's obviously played a lot of minutes over the past twelve months, he still ranks in the top fifteen of that of that group. Yeah, no, he's a he's an impressive player, he's a use, useful player to have certainly, and he's a player that's got probably one of the highest ceilings, certainly at Everton, mm. but I'm thinking maybe even in the Premier League to be honest. Yeah. I think he's a obviously a really physical player, very good in the air. Well, funny enough, um, just on that, his five-headed goals from that same group of players is the most over the past twelve months. No yeah. players, no player out of those forty-two has scored more. Yeah, you can tell by his the way the way he handles himself as well. He's, he's clearly very driven. I don't, I don't, yeah. you can tell he's um, he's almost not interested really in making friends, is he? No, yeah. He's very much like in a, in it to win it sort of thing, and it yeah. sounds a bit cliche, I no, suppose. I get but it, yeah. He's a he's a match winner, isn't he? And he's I agree. He's got tons of ambition. Do you know what I found? I found interesting about him though, the fact that you know when he arrived at Everton, he was predominantly a left sided attacker. Mm. Ended up really on the right side towards the end of Silver's tenure. Mm. He's playing through the middle now under like Ferguson and then under Ancelotti. And I think he's he hasn't really got that fit, has he? He hasn't really got that that role that he's nailed. But despite that, he's he keeps, he keeps producing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think he's highly versatile, isn't he? And that's for for a side like Everton who don't quite know the best team yet, to have a consistent match winner in the starting eleven who can play various positions because he, he normally gets dislodged position positionally to bring in a, a lesser talent, basically. Yeah, a more limited player. Yeah, more limited player who can maybe like a Bernard for example who can only do a job on the left Yeah, exactly. so Richardson will get chipped out but and he still produces moments I think that's why he's so good and his defensive work as well is phenomenal you know we talk about some of the best kind of defensive forwards you know like your Firmino's and stuff in the Premier League Richardson's he's up there he's definitely up there I think he of, of those same plays he's got the second most successful defensive actions per 90 minutes as well 
Like he he busts a gut, and uh, you know we've we've spoke about how kind of Everton the Everton crowd react to certain plays and certain actions. That's the kind of stuff that they love to see, and it does it does boost the excitement in the stadium and stuff. Yeah, I think he's he's the type of player who I think he'd start for for most teams in the mm. division. The large majority of teams he'd start, yeah. um, and if if you were to ask the majority of clubs in the Premier League. You know, you can have one player from Everton, who would it be? The large majority, I think, would pick Richarlison now, so... Yeah, definitely. He's that type of player that Everton needs to hold on to, needs to improve and needs to, you know, basically build around. I've got a, um, I've got a feeling that someone will come in for him in the summer, you know. Have you? Yeah. I How long's his deal now? I know he's just signed a, a new one. Um, you know, someone might be able to let us know after the show when they listen back or watch it. I, I want to say it's 2024 or something. Uh, and when you say that as well, who? Who could... Um, I afford them for a start. Afford them is a good point, but it wouldn't surprise me if someone, you know, maybe one of the big La Liga sides or maybe like a PSG. I know United were trying to link themselves, but I, I couldn't see that, could you? No, I mean, saying that, a, a team that are currently on the lookout for a striker, supposedly, is Atletico Madrid. Mm. They've been linked with Cavani. If they can't get Cavani, the way it is that they're going to look at Lacazette. Both of them are getting on, though, and Richarlison, as you said, is a bit of a grafter. Yeah. He'd, he'd suit their style of play, but yeah, he was, you know, yeah. obviously from an Everton perspective, though, you don't want to let him go. No, well, is there, you is say there any, that. Is there any sum that would oh, well, I was just tempt you? To say, I think, you, look, every player's got a price, and I'm not selling him, because I, you know, from an Everton fan point of view, I, I love him, I think he's fantastic, and he's a player you want to build your sides around. Um, but saying that, have you got, a, you know, something ludicrous, like 90 million? Something <laughs> I think that's it. Then you know you can. You that can, is ludicrous, like. Yeah, but you, you know it. The, the way the market is now, it's an it's a what about market. Mind you, he was bought for fifty, wasn't he? So that's it. You couldn't you couldn't say I wouldn't accept like say- a Lukaku seventy five or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. But um, I'll be honest, I don't want him to go anywhere just yet. So we'll uh, we hopefully won't have to deal with that for a few years. Um, another interesting point from the game on on the weekend was a was a clean sheet. Which is a little bit of a rarity for Everton these days. Um, I, I think they got one against Burnley, but either side of that, they don't really. Well, you've got a stat there that says otherwise. <laughs> well, I'm coming to it now. Yeah, I was I was leading myself up to I was that. Thinking but, yeah. then. What's he saying here? Yeah, I was going to say that in recent times there hasn't been, doesn't seem to be many clean sheets, but um, interestingly, over the past twelve months, um, Pickford and Everton have kept fifteen. League clean sheets, um, which is only better by Manchester City and Edison. Um, so on paper, you think impressive, impressive for Pickford, but we've spoken on other shows, haven't we? That clean sheet isn't necessarily a good indication of a, a good goalkeeper, is it? No, it's more of a team metric, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, if you think of how many, I mean, look at the Brighton game for example. Pickford's had to save one shot on target. Mm. Every other shot that Brighton hit, you know, if Pickford wasn't even in the goal, it wouldn't have found a net. So yeah, if you at the bottom line is, if you look at what a goal actually is, a goal is a shot that finds the net. So if you're preventing the opposing team from taking shots, mm. and or, or if when those shots come, they're difficult to convert because they're pressurised or from difficult angles mm. or from far out or whatever, then you're probably going to post decent de- decent defensive numbers and. I think on the whole, Everton's defensive game for quite a while has been has been fairly solid. It's just uh, at the opposite end. Yeah, well, it's funny though. 
how many people will be listening to this now and, and think Everton sole defence, no chance? You know, I get it all the time in replies to uh, pieces I pull out that people say, "Oh, the defence is rubbish," this and that. In reality, if you look at the evidence, you could argue the defence isn't isn't too bad at all. You know, you got the, the the clean sheet stat that we just mentioned there. But it may surprise a few people to know that Everton have conceded the fifth fewest number of shots in the league this season. So they don't tend to give a lot of shots, do they? No. Now, at one stage, the um, the XG per shot was was high, which basically XG um, per shot against, I should say, which basically means, in short, that the shots they were letting in were of a high quality and could often lead to a goal. But Certainly under Ancelotti and Ferguson, it seems to be improving. They were they were the worst in the league a few weeks ago, and now West Ham and Manchester City surprisingly have have kind of overtaken them. Um, so they're improving in that regard. Um, so as a whole defensive unit, Evans' defense actually isn't that bad. Whereas Pickford, as I've said before, he has been underperforming a little bit over the last over the last year or so. Um, he ranks in the bottom four the keepers. For the uh, worst save percentage, um, his XG against was forty two point two, and he's conceded around forty seven goals. So, it's you can't really give the credit to Big Pickford, sadly, can you? No, not really. Um, I'm not digging out Pickford, by the way. It's just more of trying to bang the drum for the, the, how the defense is probably a lot better than people have realised. Yeah, I mean Everton have faced. 87 shots on target so far this season, which is the eighth best in the league. And the teams ahead of that are teams that you'd, you'd label all of them as defensively good, really. Wolves, Sheffield United, and then basically, you know, the top five, basically. Um, so I, th- I think Everton's defensive game on the whole is good. And I think people may take issue with that, but we we're saying that Say for example, if you remove the whole mistakes thing, if because players tend to make mistakes if they're not top quality, mm. and those mistakes can lead to shots. So if you if you remove um, the mistakes that that tend to materialise every now and then, and you've got to keep it in goal, who you know will get you out of trouble every now and then, you, then you're going to really stop conceding. And mm. maybe having suffered a little bit every now and then at the hands of Pickford, who's a bit bit erratic every now and then, mm. but. Um, I do think Everton's defensive game is fine. Yeah, and we also should point out that over that period, Everton have, a, have had a pretty big issue with conceding from set pieces. You know, um, the put tweet out today that the Everton have gone back to a former zonal marking under Ancelotti, but it's a lot different to the to the one they had under under Silva. So fingers crossed that they should be fairly. Solid from that, and that'll dramatically decrease the number of goals they can see as well. Um, but on the whole, a good win, um, and hopefully setting up for a bit. Of, I think actually, I should point out how important the win was after the the defeat against Liverpool. Yeah, well, that's 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 it. That's it. You've got to respond in the right manner, haven't you? Yeah, because it could have been pretty toxic to not win that game, um, especially so soon in Ancelotti's tenure. But he did, and I think it's. Good foundations now to build on a strong end to the season. Um, we'll we'll move on to January business because we're halfway through the month now. Um, Everton did bring in, I think it's Braithwaite. I think that's pronounced how you pronounce it from Carlisle through the week for seven hundred fifty. 
runs, but I'll be honest, I don't know that much about him. I don't know if he was on your No, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I, I thought you might have uh, locked into him for a piece for Diego or something. Or? Yeah, it's probably coming, but in reality, we're not going to see him for a while, certainly on in the first team, I suspect. So maybe it's something I'll look at me in some downtime when we've got less pressing matters. Yeah, usually um, those sounds, though, you, you tend to be a bit promising. Mm, do you know what I mean? Just yeah. because... You don't you, you don't usually see those deals happen, do you? Paying, no. paying such money for for seventeen for a teenager. Yeah, there's got to be some there's got to be a reason, real potential yeah. there, isn't yeah. there? So maybe we'll address that in the future. Um, but yeah, that's the only bit of business they've done. And I suppose the question that I have for you, Josh, and for me as well, of course. But you know, should Everton really be making any moves in what is a traditionally bad market to buy in in January? Well, this is it. It's it is it is tricky, um, and I, I don't think it's a case of should you or should you not make moves. I think it's just more a case of whether the right moves are there for you. And mm-hmm. if it, if it is, then there's no real reason to go against it. But it's it's when you start maybe searching and you start becoming a bit a bit, a bit desperate. Mm. That's when you start making decisions that down the line you will you will regret basically. Yeah. Um, I think. January, the problem with January, the moves tend to be financially crazy. <laughs> and the players that do tend to become available usually become available because of a problem beneath the surface. Mm. And if you've got players that are creating problems beneath the surface, could be a one-off. Mm. But, you know, we mentioned last week about culture and things like that, yeah. signing the right players with the right personalities. Just generally the players that are available at mid-season, you want to get them out of your club and you got to ask yourself why. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There's cl- they're clearly not performing, are they? And, of course, there's going to be one or two gems within the rough, I suppose, who are maybe just in the wrong tactical it's, formation it, side and things, but they're rarities. I think it's it's generally a short-term fixed month, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, we obviously have the belief that that's what Everton needs to really get away from. Yeah. Uh, hence why... It probably conflicts with doing business in January, but if you can identify the right player that is going to contribute to the health of the team long term and is going to build on what you've already got, and you know, Ancelotti's insisted in using him and he's going to help the team on the pitch, then you know, there's no real reason to go against it. But it's it's got to be the right deal. When, when it starts getting desperate, that's when you encounter the issues. Mm. I suppose in Everton's case, then it's uh, it's how much Ancelotti brands and whoever else. Deems can be achieved this season. You know, the obviously, yeah, I think it's fair to say they're not going to get relegated. Um, but as it stands, Everton are currently 11th um, and they are six points off fifth um, and then another 11 off fourth. So you're clearly not going to threaten the top four this season. But, you know, quick question. Yeah. If I was to offer you a Europa League spot mm. for next season, would you mm. take it? I or, would, yeah. Or would you want a period of stability playing once a week every every week with the new man? Yeah. So that he can instill his principles and all that comfortably for the season yeah. before then making the step? Listen, it's 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 a really good question. Um, and I could fully understand why you would want that, but... I still think, although it can be a really demanding competition to participate in, you know, you only have to look at Wolves, uh, how it, how difficult it was for them initially. 
I think as a club, you need to start learning to play midweek and weekend if you want to be successful. You need to start playing in Europe regularly. Everton need to be a Europa League side consistently for two to three years to adjust to hopefully then making a step up to the Champions League. Um, and I understand what you're saying with Ancelotti. And I will give you the floor now so you can your <laughs> opinion um, about getting a free run at the... Uh, at the side with no extra games, but I think Everton have already wasted so much time, so much resources that they they need to they need to start. I don't know, adjusting to this kind of is the term lifestyle, I guess, this balancing Europe and domestic football. Yeah. No, I think I'm just thinking. You know, I'm looking at Leicester for example mm. and Rodgers, mm. and I think he's had a very he clearly they've profited this season from the whole mm. playing once a week thing. Mm. And learning a new philosophy, if you like, and a new brand of football. And I think the idea is to each season, step by step, progress, mm. you know, take the next step each season. And I think if Everton was to dive into the Europa League next season, I think in terms of gradual progression, we are constantly on an upwards trajectory. I think a Europa League step would almost be a jump rather than a, a steady step. And if you take a jump, you're more likely to fall, yeah. <laughs> if you like. No, I don't know. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, totally, yeah. As um, said, it's, uh, I, like, I just like the, I like the thought of making gradual steps, gradual improvements, and without taking shortcuts, I think. You know. No, yeah. So, in, in your opinion then, I, I agree with what you're saying. There's probably going to be a lot of people agreeing as well who are listening now. It, do you think... Everton, a full season without Europe could then threaten the top four. Because I just worry that if you if you were then just looking to basically achieve the top <laughs> six finish anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean. I suppose that depends on you know ultimately the business in mm. in the summer. Um, but I don't think it's completely out the question. Providing the health of the squad next season is mm. is really really good. Like even if you look at Leicester, yeah, Leicester are clearly benefiting from it. And yeah, I don't think Everton's Budget is that different from Leicester's mm. Everton squad currently is, but as I said, that can change in the summer. Um, Ancelotti is not levels below Brendan Rodgers. No, so I, I tend to the opposite. We don't, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think it's entirely, uh, you know, implausible that Everton can can really challenge next season. But I think a Europa League run would probably prevent that. Yeah, fair. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, well. Back onto potentially this season, it'll be interesting to see if they do kind of actively pursue a top six finish, or if they just see it as a kind of laying the foundations for next season to have a real attack at the league. Um, but there still is a few positions I think they need to strengthen. For many months, people were saying they need to bring it forward, given that Moise Keane hasn't really hit the ground running. Um, and we just look thin up top. But I don't know if you'd agree. Richardson, Calvert-Lewin, eight league goals each, 16 combined. That's a fairly solid duo up top, isn't it? Yeah, to yeah, definitely where is. I think you don't need to really strengthen it for now. No, they're both, they're definitely a handful of them. Mm. Um, I must say, I disagree in the sense that you, sh- you just shouldn't, Everton shouldn't sign a forward. I'd, I I would sign a forward, not necessarily a striker, mm. But a forward, I think I would. 
As in, and so and another will, source of goals. Yeah, which yeah. we'll probably come to in a second. I'd, yeah. In terms, of, okay. In terms of now, now striking, maybe I'd be looking to do that. That's a summer task for me, not a not a January one. But before we come on, me and Josh said we'll just kind of pick a player each who we think would be a good, um, would maybe would be a good move for Everton in this window if they could do it. Um, I suppose Josh, I'll, I'll put the floor to you as to who and why and what position. Well, I think Everton's squad certainly needs a bit of work done ahead mm. of next season. And I think it's difficult to um, suggest certain players to bring in without knowing which players will depart. Mm. Because, say, for example, a Sigurdsson or a Schneidel, mm. I would be looking to move on. And if I could move the pair of them on, I would bring in replacements then. Mm. But if the pair of them can't be moved... Which could be the case, we don't know, yeah. You'd have to then question as to whether it makes sense to buy... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, um, I totally agree with you, yeah, totally. But I've, I've said a few times on this podcast that I, I do think Everton need players at the top end of the pitch with quality, players at the top end of the pitch with output, um, attackers that can ultimately do the manager a favour by mm. scoring a difficult chance or creating something out of nothing and that sort of thing. But I would like that player to be different to what Brands seems to have favoured in terms of signing, you know, we mentioned last week, didn't we? players at top clubs that maybe haven't really made it yeah, and they're making a step down I would like him to sign a player that maybe from a slightly lower club or a level club from a different league who's clearly ready to make a step up I agree um, so providing he keeps this 4-4-2 I think Everton's healthiest 4-4-2 at the minute would be Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up mm. front and then on the right side, you would have, for me, a Wobie. Mm. On the left side. Or you'd have a Wobie on the wing, would you? Yeah. I think, yeah, in a 4 4 2 would. Yeah. Yeah. 4 3 a little bit different. But on a 4 4 2, I'd have a Wobie on the right, mm. I think. Um, probably a, possibly a sense of midfield partnership of Andre Gomez and, and Gabamon wants to both fit. Yeah. Um, or, you know, something along no, those yeah, lines. No, yeah, no, I'd probably agree. But I think the left Davis, side. Maybe. I think a Wobie's worth including because. Because of what he offers in terms of ball progression mm. and finding the final third and finding the penalty box. But on the left, Bernard does similar, but I don't think to a to as as capable of a level. Mm. So I would look to get a player on the left side who's a threat, who's gonna attack the box, who delivers, who's got output. And do you want me to say Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it, yeah. Well a a player who uh, you know, on along the lines of the type that I would like Everton to target is a player called Milos Rashica. Um He's 23 years old, so obviously he's got rooms to improve. Currently at Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga. But the problem is Werder Bremen are currently 17th. So he's obviously at one of the worst clubs in the division. Probably available because of that. Mm. And if not, certainly will be in the summer if they go down. Um, and despite their troubles in the league, he's made 15 appearances and he's scored seven goals three assists um, he's versatile he can play across the front three although his main position is the left um, Kosovan currently got two years left on his deal I think which again should influence the price for Everton mm. um, shoots around 3.3 times paying 90 which you know that's, that's quite a lot yeah for, it is yeah, for, yeah. for an attacking player who, who, who doesn't play straight down the middle 
Um, and if you compare that quickly, I haven't got the exact numbers, but I know Bernard is about maybe one. Yeah. Shopping. Certainly not over over one. Yeah. Uh, uh, over two, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I looked at Bundesliga players and I looked at players that have played over 1,500 minutes this season. And the only players to have taken more shots per 90 than Rashica are players that either play for Bayern Munich or players that are named Timo Werner. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously, he's, as I said, the, the the best of the rest, if you like, in, yeah. the, in the division. Certainly a capable attacking player. He's, he's short and stocky, strong on the ball, fast, uh, aggressive. So he's, he's just the type of player that I, I think Everton should be targeting players in that mould. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. Really good player and really, really worth highlighting. Um, yeah, I've gone for a midfield. I think th- uh, there's two areas for me where I think Everton could do with immediately strengthening. Central defence is one, but I think it's really low on options. You know, we'll, we'll touch on a defender they've been linked with, um, who I, I'm not a fan of. Um, and central midfield, mainly because of injuries. Um but that being said, I still think they could do with some extra quality in there. For that reason, I've flagged Fiorentina's uh, Castrovelli, um, 22-year-old. He's he, he looks really, really good. He's highly versatile, can play virtually any ro- role across the midfield, which I think is important um, because, well, we, we still don't know Everton's best team, really, do we? Um, That's why it's tricky to... To suggest these players yeah. because you, you don't ultimately know what Ancelotti has in his head in terms of the vision for the team. Exactly, yeah. But I think this guy obviously he can come in and he can play different roles. He's got um, really good mobility. He's got great vision. Um, Fiorentina tend to play in like a three-five-two. Everton have played a back three at times, so it's something he could adapt to. Um, I had a little look at Fiorentina's general play because I think. If you were to purchase a player in January, they need to be able to adapt, don't they, quickly? Yeah. Um, There's no real point, is there? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Get them in the summer, if not. Exactly. Um, I know Fiorentina seems to build a lot down the um, in, in, in the wing-back areas, you know, down the flanks, so he'd be well-drilled and playing balls into those areas. And um, you potentially get it for your 30 mil, which, okay, it's, it's a, it, it is a lot of money when you consider that Everton in a bit of a tight spot financially um, due to FFP more than anything else rather than lack of funds but I think he, he could have an instant impact in the in the midfield um, so I'd like that I'd like that move um, sadly I haven't seen any links so <laughs> perhaps it's not going to happen but yeah really good player one to watch there has been some links to players though um, one of them probably the most notable so far this January has been um Ironically, Evans' namesake, Evans Suarez, or Sarez, to be precise. Do you do you know much about him? Uh, I'm not an expert on him no. by any means, but I, I don't I, think anyone is. I know. Um, I mean, I've seen him play. Yeah, looked up his numbers and things like that, and the general scouting job, I suppose. Yeah, he's um, he, from what I can work out, he seems a profile very similar to Richarlison's or what Richarlison was. You know, he's a left-sided player. Some people have said that he could play anywhere. Well, from what I've seen, he's only ever really played on the left. Um, I think he is a right footer, as you'd expect. You know, cutting in onto the yeah onto his right. Um, I actually got a little bit of a different vibe. With him. Oh, go on, tell me what you got. The player that came to mind for me 
when I was watching him play was uh, Wilfred Zaha. Oh, okay. I was thinking of, of in terms of Everton comparisons, but go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go on. Tell me though. Yeah. No, the, re- the reason Zaha kings in mind is because there's you know there's mixed views on Zaha. I think isn't it? Mm. There's, there's the person that thinks he's a top player, and there's yeah. the person that thinks he doesn't really have the end product that mm-hmm. you like. And I think I'm probably s- slightly more inclined to go with the latter. Yeah. Um, and I just just watching Everton pl- Everton Suarez play. But after I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I I don't know me too. Everton Suarez, I've yeah, got yeah. same by his full name. Yeah. It. So just watching him play, he seemed to take. I don't know. He seems to slow the play down a little bit. Mm. He seems to take plenty of touches when it's not particularly needed, and mm. I don't know certain little things like that. He made Forty-two appearances last season, and he scored fifteen goals mm. and seven assists. That is fine. It's just a case of I don't know. He just dawdles a little bit on the ball, mm. and maybe a bit individualistic in that regard. Yeah. Whereby you would benefit from a player who basically doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like I, th- I think Zaha tends tends to hog hog the ball if you like and and dominate Crystal Palace's attack. And although he has a positive influence on it because of his quality, mm. it can have downsides too. Yeah, I yeah I can only really add on all that. You know, he's as you said, he d- he does take a lot of touches. He's a he's a proficient dribbler and he's he's a good dribbler as well decent success rate in the same I've got he, he dribbles about um, 9.2 times per 90 has a success rate of just under 44% that's quite similar to the kind of success rate you see from Bernard um, who we consider as a good dribbler so albeit Bernard has a much reduced amount of dribbles per game so he dribbles quite well but I guess the best way you could sum up maybe Whereas as I said, he's similar to Richarlson, certainly in attack, not defensively, and he's a little bit more of a free spirit, isn't he? And he's kind of someone that it'd be more luxurious, I suspect, than kind of, you know, hard work. Yeah, and another thing as well with him, I mean, this, I'm not entirely certain on this, but I'm assuming he doesn't speak the language just yet. Is that true? No, I don't think so, no. And obviously he's played in Brazil his whole career, as far as I'm aware, so that would be quite a quite a shift for him to come straight to England especially in January mid-season mm. so I'm just inclined to think that th- th- there is better deals out there the safer more risk averse mm. deals out there whereby a player could come in and you'd be you'd be a bit more relaxed that he's going to be a hit yeah if you know what I mean. from the outset yeah no I agree um, I think that's that's a fair point to play devil's av- advocate I suppose you could argue they got the Richarlison and Bernard's connection there, so you've got some yeah, that's fellow countrymen, but it's still difficult when you're trying to give instructions on playing tactics and stuff, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you want a man for for languages, I suppose Ancelotti is yeah. your, your guy, but <laughs> yeah, would would you like to see him come to the Premier League, and come to Everton? No, is he one that rather than because you see a lot of these South American players get um, you know kind of touted with nudes to England, then you, you can already see it's not going to work. You know, it's the, the Premier League's too intense and. I feel like you need to bed in in another league in Europe before making that step to the Premier League, in my opinion. But is he someone that you think, you know what, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing him here? Yeah, no, it's it's hard not to be intrigued mm-hmm. by him considering the type of player that he is. Yeah. And, you know, what you would deem his potential ceiling to be. But it's just a case of, you know, experiencing Everton's mistakes mm. for the past couple of years. 
and wanting Everton to do well and start making progressive moves whereby constant improvements is, is witnessed. He, I just feel like his transfer would be a bit, as I said, risky. There's, there would be a fair risk associated with bringing him to England. So, an unknown quantity type thing. Yeah, I'm just. In, I think I'd want a bit more of a safer deal considering the amount of um, the amount of players in the current squad at the minute that you that you want to get rid of because they, they ultimately haven't worked. Yeah, it's obviously not a nice problem to have. Obviously, you don't want to pay a lot of money either. I'm um, talking about a lot of money. Another player I've recently been linked with is Nathan Aki. Um, he was hyped at one time, wasn't he? Really, and it looked like a great move for Bournemouth to get him from Chelsea uh, a few years ago. But I've got me, I've got questions over him. To be honest, I've got concerns about him. Uh, I think he's a really good ball playing defender. I don't even think he's bad on the floor, but I remember writing a piece about him maybe four, six weeks ago, and I think he had the second one. It was the second worst aerial duel success rate of of like a, a sample size of maybe sixty Premier League centre backs. Terrible in the air, but thirty odd percent. Yeah, that's not great. No, no, <laughs> especially if you want to play on the front foot, because you know the the get out clause of most opposing teams. When they're faced with that, that tactic is to hit long. So yeah. your centre centre backs have got to deal with those aerial balls. Yeah, so five foot uh, eleven years, but I suppose that's small for a centre back in the Premier League. But yeah. it's not small in the grand scheme. I was of about things, to say so. it's still enough that you could impose, couldn't you? Maybe yeah, yeah. he's got issues with his tech jumping technique or something. But um, the money that you'd be wanting wanting for them as well, Chelsea have just reeled themselves out of it, and I think they should avoid. Yeah, I think he's again though it's if there's truth to the rumour, it's the type of um, it's the type of link that just again is a, is a little bit disappointing because it's fairly inside the box. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any ingenuity regarding identifying him as a target if if he is a legitimate target. But you you just like a bit more invention. Yeah, in I agree. The, uh, in the market, you want to go. Who's this? Who's this player? That's. Oh w- wow, yeah. Or you want some not, not an underground, a underground name that maybe you've you you're aware of through data and things, and kind of yeah. see that link there. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be comes to mind. There's a little bit of a an outside the box shout, even though he was, I suppose, along the lines of a player from a from a big club who hasn't particularly made it. But he was the type that, like, you know, when you he did hear his name, it was like, okay, Alexa Wobie. What do we think of that? And then do you know what I mean? Mm. But wh- whereas. I don't know, Nathan Aki's just a very expected player to be linked. And again, it's it's, it's okay, it's it's fine. But, like, does it go beyond fine mm. as, as a deal? Interestingly, just I'd on a Wobie. Um, because you're, you've got your... I'd say you've got your foot in the Everton Twitter scene, but I don't know if you're, you're fully <laughs> Just about. Yeah. The, a Wobie seems to be becoming a little bit of a, a scapegoat or a, a considered a flop signing amongst some Everton fans. Well, you know why, don't you? Why? Because but the the team isn't isn't overly scoring a great deal of goals, mm. and okay results have picked up recently under Ancelotti in the Premier League. I think he's won yeah, three out of four, is it or something like that? Yeah, yeah. The only loss was City two one. But but play, players like Iwobi, and you know, Firmino comes to mind to an extent. They tend to get the blame when the overall system isn't functional mm. or when the attack has fallen a little bit short or the attack's a bit quiet. They, those are the types of players that contribute to a lot before 
the yeah, actual, I agree, the actual yeah. goal and, and not, because he's an attacking type player he, he gets you know put in that box I, I suppose agree. and gets judged based on strictly goals and assists and, and also as well he, he's brave on the ball and often that can result in misplaced passes or passes getting intercepted which then feeds a narrative of you know he's, he's rubbish wasteful can't play but in reality he's he's got the confidence to at least try more imposing progressive passes hasn't he yeah if, if no player in your team takes a risk on the ball you're never going to score no exactly so yeah. y- you've got to allow certain players to take those risks and allow the right players to take those risks but it will be you know based on what I'm aware of him it's the type of player that I'd have no real issue allowing so it's, I mean fair enough he's out of form lately yeah but oh, this, yeah, he has had a few off performances but it doesn't become a write off do they off, off the back of that so once I watch we'll uh, we'll move on to West Ham because um, time's getting away from us actually um, but yeah West Ham got David Moyes in as manager um, yeah it's an <laughs> it's an interesting appointment isn't it as I said it was one that potentially Everton looked like they, they might have made and truthfully I think it was going to happen at one stage and then thankfully the uh, the Ancelotti stuff unfolded and and he was forced to settle for something else. Um, how would, do you look at this ma- this appointment, Josh? Are you looking at a short-term solution or lack of ambition by West Ham? No, I would look at it as a short-term solution. I'd be surprised if he's in charge beyond the summer. Mm, okay. So he, you think they're going to do the same again? Chop him? <laughs> yeah, and that's my issue. That's, me, that's what I've got a problem with. I, I can't believe that the, the owners of that club can be allowed to to fail so blatantly mm. in the public eye and end up at exactly the same position two years later and just so we tried something didn't work we're going to say this now do yeah. you know what I mean I, I think it's crazy I'd, yeah come on no go on I was, was going to say you know West Ham and Everton sometimes are like like two peas from pod really but <laughs> yeah. what I will say is Everton always seems to do that bit better or sorry in fact West Ham always seems to be that bit worse you know if there's a circus going on at Goodison you know there's two happening down at West Ham it's just it always seems to be the case and yeah if for me it's stunk of desperation on both parts because Moyes I think five years ago would never have been treated like that, like got <laughs> yeah, sacked yeah. and went back to it. Yeah. You know, he was always a man of principle, I thought, and for him to do that shows how much his stock has fallen. Um, but then also West Ham, desperate times to bring him back. Really, I uh, think. I think. I do think they have ambition. You've only got to look at the squad that they're building mm. to see that they've got ambition. They've got a, They have got a squad there that's in terms of first eleven. It's not bad. Do you know paper, what I mean? They've got yeah. certain players in there that. Would would start for plenty of Premier League teams. Mm. I, I just think they ha- they have the ambition without having really. It's almost all the gear, no idea. Yeah, it's that, yeah. It's that kind of lines, isn't yeah, it? I agree, they yeah. don't really know how to to make that step, and I think their approach has just been a point of winner who's won a Premier League in Pellegrini, in, 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 in Pellegrini yeah. yeah, and you know it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it failed. Um, but yeah, he's he's come in anyway, and on paper, at least it seems a solid start. You know, it's a strange sample of games, but they faced Bournemouth at home, who were in free fall, uh, beat them 4-0, played Gillingham in the FA Cup, uh, beat them 2-0, but 
you know, FA Cup. And they played Sheffield United um, and got beat 1-0 under controversial circumstances. Um, I noticed in that game there was three different formations, uh, sorry, across that sequence, three different formations used and it all just seemed like he, as you'd expect because of the games, he hasn't quite determined how, what, he's going to come in with a side. You know, I compared to, say, Ferguson, where Ferguson come in, it was just a flat 4-4-2, back to basics and trying to get results. It feels like he hasn't quite done that. Maybe it's because of the games, but he doesn't know how he's going to... Basically, we don't have no idea how they're going to start on no. on the weekend. Um, but I just want to touch on something. I imagine you probably were going to mention it as well. The narrative from Sheffield United was they performed fairly well and they were unlucky. I assume that's because obviously they got the goal disallowed later on via VAR. Did you manage to see the game at all? I watched the game live, yeah, all of it. What did you make of it? I think that narrative is nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. I'm glad you said that. Honestly, nonsense. Ah, yeah, I thought they were really poor on the night. Struggled throughout the game and um, I actually think it was a handball. Yeah, I, I do, yeah. 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 I, I saw mean, it at the that, time. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely in favour of the rule, I must be honest. No, I'm not. I was happy it got disallowed because... I felt like it was just as just as done because they didn't deserve anything from it from, from my perspective. Yeah. Sheffield United were far the better team on a day. Um and I think that's the problem with the whole the whole tag of being of what lucky actually is yeah. on the pitch. Because if if you ultimately deserve to win and you've been the better team, if you then later on benefit from a refereeing decision, that's not for me a lucky win. That's that's a deserved win. Yeah. A, a lucky win is if you've been a a lucky win. Sorry, a lucky result will have been if that goal stood yeah. for West Ham because they didn't, they didn't deserve it from the game from my perspective. Well, just to reiterate that point, um, you know, if we look at the, the XG of the game, it was 2.31, this is according to Weisscode, 2.31 versus 0.31 for West Ham. No, so that, That's that, a 2-0 win, really. Yeah, dominance. You could even argue 2-3-0, couldn't you? It's just, it is a, a dominant win. It should be anyway. Dominant performance by Sheffield United. Um, so the, the you know to me that says to, that the okay they've gone to a really difficult place in the league, but it says to me that they may be not enjoying a a bounce, shall we say, or they might not. The, the, the new manager bounce may be wearing off very quickly. Yeah, see, just looking at the uh, the shot map on the day there, and Sheffield United have at least four shots. Inside and around the penalty spot that are commonly scored, mm. um, they're all valued around maybe point four, which means that you know they scored every three shots, maybe you know less than every three shots. Whereas on the opposite side, West Ham shot map, you know, two from outside the box, two from the corner of the penalty area. You know, it's not a great. You can't expect no. to get much of a result out of. Uh, if, if that's what you're producing, you're, you're relying on a fluke goal or an elite striker. Yeah, or a mistake or something like yeah. that. Um, but you know, although we we give them some credit, saying on paper they have a good side, they're currently 16th in the division, and I think that represents where they are. They've got they rank 14th in terms of expected goals. They rank 16th in terms of expected goals against. You know, this season they've been outshot, outscored. They're not, you know, if you were just looking at that as a blank template, you'd say that's not a great size. No, they have had a terrible season. Yeah. And they, they, 
they have been certainly one of the worst defensive sides in the league. Whether that will still be the case under Moyes, I'd, I would probably doubt. But they have had a bad season, considering yeah. what it could have been. Yeah. And considering the state of the likes of Arsenal and the Spurs, they had a chance this season and they're just blowing it by the looks of it. Well, like Everton, they probably could have tried to replicate a Leicester-type scenario, but they're nowhere near it, miles away. Um, <laughs> I was going to do verdict, but I just thought it'd be an interesting, interesting point out the stat that we were told earlier about Ancelotti versus Moyes. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, Ancelotti never beat Everton as manager at Chelsea. It's one, it was the only Premier League side he didn't beat. But he actually faced a David Moyes Evans side six times and failed to win in every game. <laughs> so as it stands, Ancelotti has not beat a David Moyes team. That is quite mad. Yeah, but let's hope it. Uh, let's hope it ends this weekend. Um, predictions, Josh. Um, with this one being away from home, and with this one being, you know, David Moyes' new manager focused on defensive uh, principles. Certainly at the start of his tenure and up against his former side, I do think this one will be quite tight, quite safe. So I'm going to go with 1 1 on this one. Mm, yeah, I get that. I think it'll be one of them that we've talked about on other shows decide by the moment. You know, if someone gets a, a chance, half a chance, yeah. whoever it, converts them will win the game. Yeah, it may be a whole like a, a who blinks first kind yeah. of match where neither team wants to really take a risk. I'm uh, I'm gonna go two nil Everton, uh, just because Everton's record's been fairly good against West Ham over the years, and I'm kind of hoping they got the life sucked out of them by not getting that late equaliser. Um, that is true, actually, regarding Everton's form against yeah. West Ham. I remember last season they went to the uh, that that stadium. And they, I think they dominated, didn't they? Yeah, they would. They, they were, I think Fabianski within 20 minutes had made something like four or five saves, and they were still yeah, yeah. two nil. Yeah. It was a it was a really good performance. So maybe the same again. No, Fabianski either. Just really quickly, he's a fantastic keeper. If you look at any of the metrics, he's uh, he's one of the best, isn't he, in the league? Yeah, yeah, top keeper. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to be out with injury. So yeah, we'll see. But um, thanks again, Josh. Yeah, nobody's made uh, Thanks everyone for listening. And again, with the the messages and stuff, really appreciate it. Um, nice to see that most people are enjoying the show. Um, Hopefully a win on the weekend and we'll 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 catch up again next week. So thanks very much. Cheers. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.